Hey guys, welcome to episode 193 of the podcast with my guest, my dear friend, Tamara Krinsky. I hope you enjoy the episode. She is a uh, 100% badass but also a lady. Um, I want to get some shout outs in guys. I want to, uh, wish a happy birthday to Megan. I know your birthday is this week. So, uh, happy birthday to you, my dear, uh, Michelle M. I want to thank you for your email tomorrow. Always great to hear from you. Uh, so glad you're doing well, my chum. Sorry. I just really wanted to work the word chum in there because I think it's, uh, maybe one of my favorite words, certainly my favorite word to describe friendship. Uh, and then on Facebook, I wanted to thank Raphael and Lauren Charlotte. I want to thank you for schooling me on it follows message received. Uh, Allison, thanks for your awesome guest suggestion. And, uh, Natasha, Natasha guys, uh, posted something on the um, Facebook page, the JV Club Facebook page about a Willy Wonka themed restaurant opening up at Universal Studios Hollywood. That's a big deal. So very excited to be informed by that. Thank you so much. Um, And guys, I hope you enjoyed the episode. I think that's it. I will be in Jacksonville, Florida at a Comic-Con this weekend. I will be uh, up in San Francisco celebrating the wonderful SF Sketchfest staff later this month and will also be at HavenCon in Austin and the Indiana Con at the end of the month. So if any of those cities sound familiar to you because you reside in them or live near them, be advised. Uh, That's it. I will talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. Now entering... Nerdist.com I almost feel like I should have some sort of award. I was thinking about this because I was thinking about your beautiful Emmy. Oh, thank um, you. But I wish I had something <laughs> I could present to both of us for getting it actually to, in the same room. We have been Feels trying to do like, this for, I mean, definitely since before the start of 2016. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah. I think I threw this out to you like at a holiday party possibly two and a half years ago. <laughs> Feels right. <laughs> that is very sad. I mean, it is really sad, but I've lost. I think in general, I've lost all con- concept of what feels like a long or short time anymore. Welcome it's to all Los Angeles so and no seasons. It is. I know that makes a huge difference. Do you do things to create a sense of time passing in that way? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. does Christmas become very important, or does Hanukkah become very important, or do things that There's mark time? There's a couple time? things, yeah. So usually we go home. So I grew up in New Jersey. My parents are still there. So usually we go home to visit my parents for Passover. Mm-hmm. And it's like a week-long trip. And somehow, you know, it's like, it's actually usually around this time of year. It's like end of March, beginning of April. And there's something about that that feels like we leave in winter, we yeah. come back, and it's spring. Yeah. Except this year we're not going. So, uh, yeah, so now it's just it's not going to morph Just all. wandering in the wilderness of time, having exactly. no sense of what day or week it is, let alone what month or year. I still, though, I'm still kind of always on the school calendar. Yeah. There's something like I always feel September. It always like sits in my bones like back to school, time to yeah. wrap things up. And that That's feels kind of funny. different. I feel like, I, you know what, I can relate to that too. And I think there is, God, it's funny you would say that because I haven't really thought about that, but I think 
there is something in my genes that I have almost a sense of anxiety mm-hmm. around that time. Like, what am I forgetting? <laughs> oh God, everything's about to change. Or right. like, there's some sort of sense of urgency that I yeah. can't pin down. And I think it is probably well, just I that. Mean, we spend so, so many of our formative years yeah. kind of ramping up and like, okay, it's starting again. Now things matter again. Totally. And my dad was again. a teacher, so we, he had summers uh. off too. So then you have like both people in the household right. sort of like suddenly everything needs to be taken seriously and yeah. you know so you have that consistency what did your what do your parents do my parents are do? both in real estate so my dad uh does property management he's got his own company and does that and like expert witness testimony and that kind of Ooh, stuff yeah that's exciting i, know, I didn't know you were gonna random. bring the law into this i mean what does he's he not, testify to he's not a lawyer but he'll be called as an right. expert oh, yeah, no, when it comes does. to like Real property management matters, things of so, so like a civil suit, maybe where someone yeah. would be like, My, I'm I shouldn't be responsible for blank, or like, Who exactly. is responsible for blank? Yes, what happens when okay. the snow does the thing and the blah blah blah, yeah, yeah, that kind of stuff. And then my mom actually does commercial real estate, okay, so she sells like buildings and leases and things like that. Does your dad? have any feeling of a thrill to do to be an expert witness or because i guess he he could not be if he didn't want to be i mean a thrill is maybe pushing right. it too far and hello if you're listening to this i don't Tomorrow's really Papa, like to ask my dad what gives him a thrill we don't have those kind of conversations uh, I mean. well I, yeah i mean first of all fair enough and i apologize but i mean i guess i'm just wondering and part of it is because Raquel i'm Welch like actually gives, deep, gives, deep, gives, him a, gives him a gives him a thrill i do know that okay. but, <laughs> sorry he's not the only one um, but you know that just seems like no. I think the he problem does, is that actually. I'm so into like true crime and stuff, and have been, and now there's such a groundswell of it that like it's everywhere, mm-hmm. and so it's on my mind on no, a I more daily it's, basis. But it's a good question. I think he actually, I think he actually likes it. I think there's probably something. I mean, I haven't specifically talked about it with him, but I think there's definitely something about if you reach a certain point in your career where somebody comes to you and is like, you know, a lot about this, yeah. you can be an expert. That feels like a stamp of approval. Absolutely, a stamp of approval every once in a while. And also like just that. like this sort of window into a total other profession and world that you would have no reason to be a part of unless you mm-hmm. decided to sort of participate participate in that and yeah. to be able to step out of it again like oh now right. i see how the legal system works in a very different way than most people yeah but i don't have to go to court and try a case every day or what right. have you, you know? and he i mean it's weird because he i hope i don't get this wrong dad you'll correct me if i do but he works also with a lot of banks and i mean he works with a lot of lawyers because obviously contracts are involved with all these things just yeah. in the day-to-day of property management but he also does stuff with banks where like when a property is foreclosed on again i hope i explained this right when a property is foreclosed on um, somebody basically has to mind the store until they figure out what they're doing with the property. Sure. Like, you know, things still have to happen. The signage still needs to work. So the snow still needs to get get clear and sure, stuff like sure. that. So he kind of works with it during that time period. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. So, and how was I? Now I just saw the Big Short recently, so of course that's also on my mind. Is that something that your parents you had an awareness of and conversations with your parents about in two thousand two, two thousand seven, two thousand eight, when everything sort of went screwy with the not, banks and stuff? I mean. A little bit, not as much because they're not in residential. Yeah. Um, it didn't really have quite the same effect. It was more just the general economic downturn affected people buying property and sure. stuff like that. So it wasn't real specific to what they were doing. Thank gotcha. goodness. Um, yeah, no it was kidding. just the general recession that all kind of we sucked for all, all of us. We all suffer together. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, God, that feels so recent and also weirdly already a really long time ago. Like yeah. When there was the first sort of like... 
I mean, when you think about Occupy Wall Street, doesn't it feel like that was like 20 that years ago? That feels like that was a long time yeah. ago. I mean, I think we're kind seeing the manifestation of it now yeah. with the Sanders campaign, but, yeah. I, but it does feel like it was a long time ago. I just feel weird about how long ago it feels. It feels like it should feel very, very fresh because it just hasn't been that long. I think we get so much news now cycled to us every single day because of being online and just, you know, everything that you're seeing on social media and like 24 hour news channels that everything feels so saturated and then it's on to the next, on to the next, on to the next. Yeah. And like people would joke about that in campaigns, for example, you know, like 50 years ago, it seems like, and more and more and more Mm -hmm. into the future this idea of this news cycle. I mean, I feel like I've watched some sort of, even just like the West Wing or something like that. I miss the West Wing. I know. R.I.P. Every day I miss it. Every day. I Uh, I actually had this, okay, this is somewhat embarrassing, but I had this bizarre moment the other day where I was talking, we were just talking in general about the election and I was like, what we really need is like a Santos type candidate. And then I was like, oh, wait a minute. That was fiction. That wasn't real. (laughs) I know. I know. I mean, listen, it's this, especially when you get to that point in the series, because, and for those of you who haven't watched it, I don't know what to say other than that, feel free to check it out. If not, feel free to ignore this part. But the cool thing about, and it's not the first time I've talked about this show, but the cool thing about, I guess I was talking with Janine Groflo, but this, this idea of like such an idealized version where you really have a Democrat and a Republican who are so impressive, mm-hmm. each in their own rights, and seem to have the best possible humanistic reasons for integrity. being one or the other. That yeah. you're like, God. I mean, this is these are both very like powerful mm-hmm. arguments, and I feel like we probably would be in good hands either way. Yeah. What an amazing thing to fe- to feel during a political election, like thinking you know what, we might, I mean, somebody's going to take great care of us, even if we don't necessarily agree with every policy. A really nice feeling. Yeah, wouldn't it? Not familiar with that And I think we'll get that this year. (laughs) No matter what happens, we'll end up with an amazing precedent. Exactly. Um, Was that a show that you watched, like, as it was happening? Or did you, like me, find it later? I, gosh, now I'm trying to remember. I think I watched it, as it was, you know what? I think I did a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. I think I watched a big chunk of it as it was happening, and then I got caught up in stuff, and then I caught up on some of it later. Yeah. But I definitely remember watching the end of it and sort of going into mourning that it was over. Yeah. I came, I mean, I think I came late. I'm sure I didn't watch a single season as it was happening. I wish it was that cool, but I yeah. didn't have a sense of it at all. Um, and you actually, cool. you were just doing cooler things than watching TV. I, that can't be true because I guarantee you, I probably was very caught up on some lame show that I can't even remember now. But um, no, but I remember. It's funny. I think one of the things that prompted me to do it, and this will be not interesting to anyone but Tamara and maybe two other people listening, but I think it was Blyden. Ah, years ago. I mean, I met him years ago, like Mm -hmm. well over 10 years ago, probably 15 years ago. And I remember him very early on. I was talking about some movie or some show or something. And he was like, oh, that's how I feel about the West Wing. Like he Ah. said, 
okay. he said, and I have since echoed this sentiment and probably taken credit for it, but it is true that that show got me through some hard times. Mm-hmm. I think so. You well, know what I mean? Like, God, yeah. those are friends you could turn to where you mm-hmm. really, truly felt like no matter what's happening in my life, something far more grave and with more huge stakes mm-hmm. is happening on this show full of people that I've kind of fallen in love with. Exactly. Well, it's funny that you mentioned Janine Garofalo because a f- friend of mine from my theater company, uh, Ramondeo Campo, who's a wonderful actor, he played, and I'm totally going to blank on the name right now because it was a long time ago, he played the aide that came on in the last season that oh, they sort yeah. of had like the flirtation with. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, so, I haven't and we had just done a show together, so it was fun watching that all happen. What's your theater company? Uh, it's called the NTS Company. Mm-hmm. And we have a couple of friends We do in have a couple of friends in that. common. Um, it's a great company. It's one of the most... It's certainly one of the very most renowned theater companies in the Los Angeles area. Um, It's got really, really, really fine actors, and it's actors who uh, really lean into historical, great theater, the history of theater. They take it very seriously. It's uh, it's very, very serious. Well, I mean, it's a very (laughs) it's a playful group of people, but it is a group of actors who. I mean, sometimes when I, I get the newsletter and stuff, I'm yeah. certainly not a member, but um, I'm on the mailing list and I do have a sense of, like, it's nice to be reminded, like, you know what, theater, like, Los Angeles is not a, a dead space for theater and it's not, <laughs> and it is filled with many classically trained actors and writers yeah. and directors and producers who feel very connected to those roots and don't feel like, oh, you know what? It'd be better to be on like a sitcom or a soap. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, it's been it's been a really nice balance. I mean, it's it's an all, for those not familiar, it's the NTS company and it's it's an all classical company. And so, you know, we sort of really focus on, you know, the classics you're familiar with, like Shakespeare and Chekhov and Ibsen and stuff like that, but also modern classics. Like right now we're doing a show called Cloud, Cloud Nine, which is a Carol Churchill play. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and we, you know, we love the classics. We really believe in the power of language and you know the idea that theater can kind of ground you and then when you go off and you do film and TV then you've got all that power that you've gained through theater to get it god that sounds so serious and no, uppity but I, and- <laughs> you know listen I think you really can tell I feel you could really tell um with those actors that's something I feel it's not that I would necessarily be able to identify that it was Antius or that it was something else yeah. but I think one way of removing it one level of um that feeling of being embarrassed by that, which is so funny because you and I are both in the comedy world too. So when you're right. straddling those, you feel you like you can't be sincere about certain things right? or that it sounds hoity-toity. Yes. Thank God I got the chance to say hoity-toity. But I'm so glad you used the hoity-toity word. I, thank you. I feel like you really see it. Um, and those of you who are fellow ner- nerds uh, like me, and I think tomorrow of the BBC stuff, mm-hmm. I feel you really see it there. You really yeah. see like these motherfuckers mm-hmm. are so classically trained. Yeah. That's why they can drop into the craziest Doctor Who villain of all time and seem believable oh, because yeah. there's they are completely like mwah, polished and trained to the point where they can take that kind of character on make and it make it real. Well, the funny part is we have a bunch of Star Trek actors in the company. There you go. Who have appeared in a variety of the series and you know, it's one of those things where, like, you know, they get asked the question, like, why does there seem to be this bizarre correlation? I mean, Patrick, Sir Patrick Stewart is not in our company, although he's been very supportive of it. And, um, you know, he's a perfect example. I mean, X-Men, Star yeah. Trek, and, and an incredible classical actor. Incredible. And it's, you sort of learn how to go big and keep it grounded at the same time. And when you're wearing layers of mask as, you yeah. know, the latest alien. Yeah. <laughs> you or you're a- talking about the three witches. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you sort of find, I think that's and i think it's a wonderful foundation i'm 
as I'm sitting here feeling more ashamed that I don't stay connected to theater roots than, you know, because that is what but I you're studied. you're on stage was, all the time. You know, well, I, I mean, think... I guess. You're, yeah, no, no, you're on stage all the time. I think there's something about having that live connection with an audience, whether you're doing it at UCB, at Sketchfest, at, you know, or in a classical setting. There's something about that, understanding that energy, mm-hmm. but then when you bring it to what you're doing on screen or voiceover or whatever other element, for me, a lot of broadcast hosting, whatever other right. element of our crazy performing post, Uh (laughs) Um, is that and did you did you have an appreciation of that when you were younger were you um jumping into the kind of like um like literature side of not just performing but you know so i went to um i went my high school was really interesting um yeah an interesting setup I should say um so my high school elementary school like k through eight each town had its own district it was all part of the same thing when you got to high school there were five high schools across four different towns that were one district and this is in central jersey so you know within like a half an hour radius of each other Mm -hmm. and each school had its own magnet and so you tested in eighth grade and you could go to the science and engineering program okay, or the international yeah. studies program or whatever That's it was. so cool. Yeah. To me, that feels more European than anything I had access to as a young person. It was amazing. I don't know who came up with it, but it was a really progressive school system. So they were all four-year programs. And like if you were a Howell student, but you tested into Manalapan's program, which is where I'm from, which is science and engineering, you would become a Manalapan student and you'd play Manalapan sports and do Manalapan I mean, This has turned now into the... This, I mean, this is basically like, were you Gryffindor? Were you Hufflepuff? <laughs> were you Ravenclaw? So, Even the name of your, what was the name of your Manalapan? Manalapan High School. Manalapan has a real ring to it and could very easily be one of the houses. Oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely. amazing. Okay. So, or there are kids who felt, I guess if you if you didn't want to make that kind of special yeah, and most people didn't. Most people, right. most people didn't. I mean, it was a program, I want to say, of like, maybe 10 kids in each grade. And so like my high school in Manalapan was 1,600 kids mm-hmm. and maybe there were 40 science engineering kids. And gotcha. they would do their special like science classes and sort of advanced engineering and math stuff. But like we were taking English together. Right, okay, um, okay. And then the only one that wasn't a four-year program at the time, I think it may have changed now, was the performing arts program. Mm-hmm. So that was the one where I was in like a John Hughes high school for half a day. Then I'd jump on a bus and I would oh, go, wow. be, go to the other school, How that had the, interesting. the performing arts program. And um, I would run around in a leotard with 12 other kids. That's really interesting. Yeah. You actually just got on a bus and I had you were living separate went. lives. Yeah, pretty How much. long was the bus ride again? Like 20 minutes or so. I think yeah. that's really interesting. It Did you feel awesome. unusual and special? I felt so special. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay if you did. I, you know, it was just the reality that you kind of. It was just different. Put, like into. the tough. Okay, so the toughest part was my senior year. So most kids went to. It was called FPAC, the Freehold Regional Fine and Performing Arts Center. FPAC, great. FPAC, yes. Um, so most kids went to FPAC for two years and went either as, like, they would start as a junior. Sometimes they would just go for their senior year, you know, because by then you're done with your requirements and you right. have all these electives you can take. I started, and there were a couple people like me who were pretty hardcore. So I started as a sophomore, and I went sophomore and junior year. And the trick of it, because you were splitting schools, was always figuring out the schedule of, like, okay, well, when are you taking your English? When are you taking your... Senior year, it um, FPAC uh, conflicted with calculus, and my father was convinced that I needed to take calculus to get a scholarship to college, which was the only way I was going to be able to go away to right, college, right. which I really, really wanted to do. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I we had a lot of 
fights about it. And I was not someone who fought with my parents a lot yeah. growing up. Well, I think that I almost would say that goes almost without saying, because if what you're fighting about is calculus <laughs> and whether or not you have to take it, Nerd alert. you're definitely not fighting over like whether or not your mom found, you know, three hits of acid in your purse. Yeah. Probably. 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 I mean, there was the big fight over whether or not I was allowed to go to the Rocky Horror Show. But um, oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. So I ended up not going and it was miserable. Like after yeah. having had this sort of, I don't know if that I felt special, but I definitely felt freer. I think than sure. most of the kids. Cause like I was just in such different environments for half the day. Absolutely. And, you know? And, uh, yeah, I mean, we were doing like Lysistrata with masks and I mean, it was crazy. And so, um, yeah. So going back senior year to full time, like regular high school, really sucked plus I had to go back to PE and I was I was not happy about that that's a huge shift that's a huge shift I mean that is sort of I mean I make lots of references on the podcast to this sort of sense of feeling trapped in high school Mm -hmm. and I think any any sort of doorway into something that feels like it's more specialized to you in some way or that you have more control yeah choice that kind of thing is so nice you know it's so helpful well and the other thing that was also cool you know and i know you guys you've definitely talked on the podcast about like social strata of high school yeah um was because of the way the program was structured it was a feeder of kids from these five different high schools so everybody kind of got out of their own social love thing for half a day and it became its own thing and like you said you sounds like you really noticed the difference between the experience at one and the experience at other yeah and i I mean look i i got lucky i loved high school junior high is a different story Uh (laughs) was it bad (laughs) oh junior high was awful why was it bad um Okay, so cycling back. So my elementary school, I was in like a G&T type pro, like a gifted and talented, a gin and tonic, yeah. sure. Gin and tonic program. Uh-huh. And by the time we got done with that. <laughs> I um, barely remembered any of it. Yes. And it was the same 12 kids from second grade to sixth grade, which okay. like is just a recipe for disaster yeah. if you're at all like funky or sure, a little sure. off the beaten track and I was a little off the beaten track uh-huh. and I was also smart like I got good grades and I like to study and all of that yeah. and you put all that together and I just got made fun of a lot and then I got into junior high and which was the combination of two different elementary schools in my town suddenly you're in with 800 kids and it was I just I got made fun of a lot and yeah. people were mean and I saw a lot of the mean girls become very popular and it totally did a head trip on me. Sure. And, you know, like yeah, I the sense of sort of justice yeah. in, in childhood is like it becomes warped very quickly. Yeah. I mean, like I have this very specific memory of like, you know, there were there were, you know, the jeans that were very popular, like had like lots of, you know, pockets and things mm-hmm, on them. Mm-hmm. And we, of course, could not afford the guest jeans that right. like the popular kids had so my mom found um you know something that looked lovely they were called oxygen jeans and they looked like everybody else's jeans right yeah and i have this awful memory of getting up from a lunch table and at that point like you still to get up from a lunch table and like stand in line and wait for the bell to ring and just one of the girls looking up from the table and just being like oh tomorrow what's wrong not enough air in the world for you because you have to wear those oxygen jeans (laughs) not making this up not making it up i mean she sounds like she made a pretty good pun um she did i know that was the thing yeah 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 so. i didn't have i mean i definitely had the same experience of feeling like all of a sudden i'd be i had never thought about like my class status mm-hmm. yeah in a economic way um 
And all of a sudden that became an issue in junior high also. I guess it was junior high where it was like, oh, oh. I'm supposed to have X, Y, and Z. Right. I do not have that. I, I will say that I feel like that's when not just like vintage clothes because then it became like this doesn't look like anything so right. you can't like if you're gonna make fun of me at least just make fun of like the fact that i'm wearing something absurd <laughs> versus like the oxygen jeans i think right. i had a sense of like maybe i shouldn't try with a knockoff because that will feel kind of yeah. i'll feel bad about it i'll like create mm-hmm. a complex about it but also i feel like that's right around the time that suddenly all these like Buffalo exchanges, which did start in Tucson, Arizona, Ah. um, that sort of thing kind of started cropping up. And I think it honestly might've been in response. Like it feels very eighties, nineties to have had to create a response for lower income people to be able to afford something like that. Yeah. So it became like, Oh, these jeans, you know, are kind of falling apart, but they do have this patch mm-hmm. on the back that, you know, shows yeah. I'm legit on some gross level. <laughs> and it became more possible, like, well, I saved up my allowance and I was able to get this one pair of jeans. So at least I have this one thing. Right. Which now, like, looking back, and not that uh, that social status stuff doesn't happen in LA all the time, because that's why I did, yeah. you know, that's why I love the podcast, but it's nice to kind of connect with that and go, God, that seems so silly. And I, my heart goes out to that person mm-hmm. and then be able to project into today and go, actually, is there a version of that that I can give myself a break on right now today as an older person? Yeah. And that's a nice like slingshot to kind of go, oh my God, it sounds so silly now that I'm talking about it with you and then think, but do well, I do? Yeah. Is, that, is that still happening? That comes into play? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think in some ways that's maybe why high school, I've never really thought about it this way before, but in some ways that's maybe why high school got so much better for me mm. because I sort of immediately catapulted after junior high into the drama program in high school and found my funky friends there. Um, but that's when we did not have Buffalo Exchange in Central Jersey, sadly, but we did have New York an hour away. Yeah. And that's when I was finally old enough to like, ju- there was a bus that went straight from my hometown into the city nice and that's when i was finally old enough to like jump on a bus and start going to vintage stores there yeah. and finding things and you know people would sort of always ask well what, what what was your style in high school and my answer is i didn't really have one because i'd yeah. like show up in you know overalls and a hat one day and show up in something from benetton the next day like right. i sort of and I, maybe it's because i was trying to not be categorized so no one sure. make fun of me anymore. No, sure. Well, I, <laughs> but think I never really thought about it that way before. Well, and I think that's a pl- that is uh, uh, I've said that a million times, but I do think that um, as a younger person, and I and I'm curious too to find out if there are people who have experienced communities like this as uh, when they're in school um, that I wasn't as much a part of that I don't know about. Certainly, I know that like the dance program was very much like that um, in my school system and and theater and probably fine arts too. But to find that place where a lot of people have experienced mm-hmm. the same things and so suddenly it becomes so freeing to just go, I don't know, one day I came looking like this, the next day I tried this on, like that sort of fantasy come true of like, ah, yeah. this is my opportunity to just sort of do whatever and I'm around a bunch of people who kind of don't really care and, yeah. and are going to just embrace me for who I am on yeah. some level, you know? Yeah, I also kind of got lucky. So my freshman year, I... I I got lucky in that I kind of arrived at my high school around the time that theater suddenly became a cool thing to do. Yeah. And it had nothing to do with me. Um, uh-huh. I, <laughs> I to changed that program back to front. Yes. Um, now, I, so my freshman year, I auditioned for the fall play. It was this 
play called Bell, Book, and Candle, which is about a witch. Oh, okay. I've uh, heard of it. Yeah. I it, but Kim, no- Kim Novak did the movie. Perfect. And so I was cast as the understudy for the lead because, you know, that was the way they encouraged the younger kids. You'd get cast as an understudy. Yeah. You feel like you're a part of things. And I totally did. Um, but for some reason, like that cast, I'm going to ref- reference John Hughes again, became known as like the Breakfast Club cast because mm. you had like... There was a really, there was like the popular cheerleader girl who also did drama. Uh-huh. You had like a total theater geek. You had like, you know, sort of the the guy who was graduating at 15 and was super smart and like drama was what he did for fun. Uh-huh. You had like the senior guy who was a wrestler who happened to be like my this really best is. guy it's friend's older up. brother who oh like I've grown up with. Yeah. So you had the, and then you had kind of like the guy who was like the hot burnout. And so. This is Perfect. Two weeks, understudies never go on. Right. Two weeks before the show opened, the girl who was playing the lead, her mom forced her to drop out because she failed a bio test or a chem Uh-oh. test or something. And suddenly they were like, uh, Tam, you're you're going on. <laughs> so, so here I am in all of my 14-year-old glory, like, what? what? Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but it was great. And it because it was this crazy mix of people, suddenly it became a thing to do. And then my drama teacher was super smart. And that spring, she did a show called Damn Yankees which is all about baseball and usually baseball and drama rehearsed at the same time she made a deal with the baseball the baseball coach mr perez um that she because normally none of the guys who were doing baseball could even audition she made a deal that she would work around his i was about to say around his rehearsals Uh (laughs) i'm such an idiot around his practices yeah if he would give in on like a couple of key dates for the shows so suddenly you had all these guys formerly not drama guys yeah she did a good job so it became like a cool thing to do that's really cool because then of course the guys realized that they could meet girls and yeah 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 Yeah, for those people who realized early on that they could meet cute and interesting people through theater and music right good on you yeah because you were right did you do you credit her as someone that sort of like you know we have those um instructors in our lives where we're like i don't know like if i hadn't had that experience it's hard to say maybe i would have done something different or that really inspired me and showed me that blank was possible or i definitely credit her for kind of bringing me in yeah to to that world and you know giving me easy access to that world for sure it's lovely. Yeah. Did you have other teachers that you felt like they were game changers on some level? Yeah. You seem like you were so directed at from inter- like internally rather than externally <laughs> that I'm totally in awe of that anyway. Uh, maybe sometimes. Um, I, the problem is there's a lot of different stuff I like to do. So like I'll be directed, but then I'll see bright, shiny over here well, and be like, okay, oh, I can relate let's to that, go certainly. work for a film festival and do that because that's fun. Right. And then back on to like the performing path. Oh, let's go right over here because that's really fun to do that. And then, you know. So. Yeah. Uh, you know I can relate to that. I mean, that's something yeah. that you and I have in common where uh, I look at your website I'm sort of like oh look you're doing the same thing I am where you're trying to find the thread which the thread is you right you know what I mean you feel like you want to sort of say well this is really cool but then I also did this this and this but don't I don't want to lose you yet because I also enjoy this this and this yeah so here's a question for you actually so because you're we definitely are similar this way because you do a lot of different things I mean you produce and you write and you act and all that do you are there times in your life when you felt like that has been a benefit versus something that people like they don't know what to do with you? I think I think it's been totally both. And yeah. I think that um, it's total. It's like so much the lens that you put on it on any given day, because mm-hmm. there are definitely times and these are the extreme versions. But on a bad day, I will I will look at it and go, you know what, I would probably be blank right now if 
I didn't focus my energy on 60 different things. (laughs) Yeah. You know, that feeling of, oh God, if I'd only had one thing I was so passionate about that I couldn't be stopped from pursuing that to Mm -hmm. the nth degree rather than sort of dispersing my energy and interests. Um, at its worst, I feel like I failed myself because I didn't, because I liked too many different things. Yeah. And then on the best day, there's a sense of like, oh my God, I feel fulfilled and enriched mm-hmm. in my life. And I feel like, um, I don't know if I've talked about this book before or not. I know I've talked about A Wrinkle in Time and Anne of Green Gables ad nauseum. Love but there's this A book, Wrinkle in Time. I mean, it's so special. That mm-hmm. is a perfect culmination of science and art, right? Yeah. I mean, that is like... That's Love it. Love me some Madeline. Oh my God, she's so amazing. Oh, yes. um, but yeah, so the, there's this book called um, The Diamond in the Window, which I don't know if I've talked about before, but it's by this author named Jane Langton. She won a Newbery Prize for children's literature for this book called The Fledgling that more people have read. It's about a little girl who ends up learning how to fly with that a bunch of migrating Canadian geese. Okay. Lovely story. Very magical. But this one is about, um, I, I can't even really go too deep into it because it's so complicated, but like Madeline Langle, mm-hmm. when you look at what it's about and the reader level it's meant for, you're like, well, this is genius. If I could, if I could explain in this case, I mean, in that case, you know, yeah. tesseracts mm-hmm. and, you know, just the very concept of time itself to children in a way that makes mm-hmm. it this beautiful parable or whatever, but also a very literal story. Yeah. Um, then this book is about uh, transcendentalism. Mm. It takes place in Concord, Massachusetts. Talks about Henry, uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson, really? uh, David, Henry David Thoreau, um, Louisa May Alcott. Totally dives so deep into that, but is also this super magical story about these two children who find out that by falling asleep in these beds of these ancestors they have who've disappeared they can dream lessons essentially i'm sitting here with my so complicated but it is so stunning that and there's this one dream that they have where they're looking at um two i'm so sorry guys for those of you who only came to listen to tamara you probably hate me right now but 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 she is gonna get really excited about this book so i'm just (laughs) telling you right now so they're standing so so this girl so let's say you're her because she is red-haired as many people uh in literature are who are feisty too smart for their own good and different than everyone else um She's standing in front of a, a mirror. It's like a house of mirrors, right? So mm-hmm. she's standing in front of a mirror. There are two reflections. And she figures out that they're both also doorways. Ooh. And she can't really tell the difference between the two. So she just goes through one. And then the next one has four versions. And she starts to notice subtle differences. Oh, maybe wow. one looks a little more sourpuss. Maybe one looks a little prettier, but she seems depressed. This huh. one has more freckles, but she looks really happy. Well, Eleanor hates her freckles. But this image looks really happy. So the lesson is, is that when you, when she takes the true to her heart, like the really true, like don't focus on the superficial, when she takes those doors, more doors open and more doors. So there's more reflections like, oh my God, these are all the possibilities I created for myself by walking through this image rather than going for the one where I look like I'm a model or whatever. All due respect to models. I did some modeling at all due respect. (laughs) But... When you're focusing on, right. if I were to choose an image of myself just because she looked thinner, mm-hmm. what would I only see now two options? Would I now only see one option versus picking the things that are true to yourself? And if you pick them with like, you know, honoring yourself, mm-hmm. you have these millions of possibilities. So on a good day, what I hope is because we pick these things that we feel passionate about, 
maybe we're not as ambitious and driven to do just this one thing, but isn't it extraordinary to see this sort of like splaying out of like, well, I have the opportunity to learn about these 10 Mm -hmm. things or help in these 10 ways rather than just like, well, I became this one thing and that's what I got, which is also good for some people, you know? I feel like if I had read this book early on, <laughs> there is so there are so many therapy bills I would not have paid. Listen, I've still spent all that money on therapy, so I don't know about that. All right, that. that's good. Um, okay, this is definitely go on my to read list. But no, I mean, I think yeah. you see you see that about yourself at a very young age, as you said. You know, here you are. I mean, it's you have a, a literal representation of that, which is mm-hmm. splitting your time between two different, entirely different schools yeah. and programs when you were in high school. So that does seem to me like a sign of things to come which is sort of like I'm gonna figure out a way Mm -hmm. to do all of these different things yeah and each time I've tried to kind of just do one at some point I end up feeling boxed in yeah so I just you know I finally I finally had to get to a point in my life where I was like you know what this is who you are and that that's okay yeah that's okay like yes you might be further ahead in one of these paths if that were the only thing instead of doing like four parallel paths but you know what there are there I think I'm now old enough that there are those points on those parallel paths that they converge and I'm able to look back a little bit and go oh I got here because I did all those different things and this is one of those points in time when they're all actually feeding each other absolutely and then they converge again and I do a bunch of different things but it's it's nice to finally have a little bit at least on a good day of an appreciation of that yeah and hopefully too to get as we get older that one of the gifts that you get um, if you can focus on those things instead of focusing on, again, those kind of external environments where you feel like, am I supposed to feel bad that I've gotten older? You know what I mean? <laughs> right. um, is to sort of go, well, I, I, can, I can celebrate those things and I feel less like it's mm-hmm. about how someone else sees me and more about what my, the richness of my life and that texture is, you know? Yeah. Um, now who sounds hippy dippy? I know. Let's get back to talking about Atias. Um, <laughs> no. So when you were in high school, I, obviously your middle school experience was so wretched, oh, yeah. uh, which it was for many of us. So a lot of empathy there with me and the listeners. Um, when you were in high school, did that sort of branching out and the un, and kind of meeting people that you connected with on a deeper level lead to like little romances? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, the baseball boys were very attractive. I mean. I dated many of the soccer players. Um, yeah, I, I mean, the interesting thing was, like, while I was at FPAC, I was definitely, like, you know, crazy drama girl. But in high school, I was pretty mainstream. I mean, I did, like, student government and, you know, French club and all that kind of crazy stuff. So, yeah, I dated. Um, I I went to a lot of proms. Oh, you did? I okay. did. <laughs> did you, did. when you were in high school, when you were in high, when you were in junior high, did you, was it a situation where you sort of stopped thinking of yourself in a certain way because the image that was reflected back to you just made you feel so bad all the time that when you were in high school, you were like, oh, wait, I'm cute? Or did you have this presence of mind to know this is the environment and this is really unpleasant, but there's got to be something better for me because I know I'm I'm gifted and I'm fun and I'm a nice person and I'm no, cute? No, it was the first, definitely. Yeah. Like, I fell into a pit of despair in junior high. It was, yeah. it was bad. And yeah. I was really, really unhappy. And probably the thing that saved me was two different things, which was I went to sleepaway camp. And at sleepaway camp, you know, again, you're sort of reinventing yourself. So I was just happy in sleepaway camp. There were other kids. They didn't know that at school I was unpopular. So I could just be who I was. And I found kids there that I loved. Um, So there was that. And then the other crazy piece of my growing up is that my parents are somewhat religious. And religious? Religious. They're Jewish. And so I was really involved. I want to say from like... 
sixth grade through 10th grade in a pretty intense religious Jewish youth group. Okay. So here I would be, like I would have, whether it was, let's take high school for example, like I would be in regular John Hughes high school for half a day. Then I would go be artsy kid for half a day. Then I would go away on these weekend retreats and be like very, very religious. A Torah master. Yeah, exactly. So it was very... So God, it's no wonder I'm fractured. Do you have brothers and sisters? I do. Yeah, okay. I have a brother. And okay, he's, and he's older. He's younger. No, he's younger. And, okay, yeah, okay, he's sorry. in Brooklyn, and he's an attorney. So, okay. Um, yeah. Was and was your relationship with him good when you guys were growing up? Or was yeah, it more- I mean, we're very different, and I think we look at the world very differently. Um, but and we went to different high schools. Like he went to yeshiva high school. I went to. We talked about my high school. So we grew up with very different perspectives on things. But um, you know, but there's not a lot to do in Jersey. So you got to stick with who you're with. You, and you also just found uh, for everything you just said, it sounds like there was a lot of to do in Jersey, but um. <laughs> there's, there's the movies and there's yeah. the mall. And well, then yeah, there's... it sounds like the activities really were born out of school and stuff and youth yeah, group and sure. whatnot. Um, sure. The, when you say that it was an intense youth group, mm-hmm. um, what does that mean? Okay. So, um, Basically, I would I would go away on these things called Shabbatones, which were weekends where you'd go celebrate the Sabbath. So I know I had so many Jewish friends, and I was so envious of the relationships they had with each other that I couldn't be a part of. So I, that was always like whenever someone was going to the JCC, I was always bitter. Like <laughs> it sounds so great, guys! Come on. Well, the good thing here in LA is anyone's welcome at the JCC, and they've got a really good pool. Brought to you by the um, JCC. Yeah. I love the um, JCC in San Francisco. I've made no secret about it. Every time I go there, I'm like, I don't know why I'm not Jewish. <laughs> and I don't mean it for the amenities, guys. I mean it for the community. You know what? We have good bread. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so you'd go away. And I'm talking like this was an Orthodox Jewish youth group. So you'd go away on Friday. You would be split into groups of like five to seven kids. And you'd all stay in some local house home. And usually within walking distance of the synagogue. And there'd be all kinds of programming from Friday night from sundown until Saturday night. And But you were keeping the Sabbath. So I'm talking like no turning lights on and off, no cars, no electricity, like back to Amish land. So, so you would have no so, disrespect to the Amish. So, so I mean, I think that sounds charming, but of course it's easy for me to say I wasn't a teenager, but was right. that, um, so were you lit by candlelight? Were you lit by fire? Were you, you were, the lights on, but they weren't turned yeah. off? Yeah. I mean, usually in like the synagogues and stuff, there would be non-Jewish staff who would be, you know, turning the lights gotcha. off at the That's end right. of the That's right. I forgot that, like that you can have someone do it for you. I yeah. totally forgot about that. So you had that, but it was also like the other interesting piece of it was sort of this, um, this modesty piece of it, like, especially as I got into sure. a little older and got into high school, you know, there was definitely like, it was a much more modest environment than the environment I was at in school where I had a dance teacher named Miss Twomley, who was all about pelvic thrust. <laughs> um, so, you know, dirty dancing was our dance sure. final for the year. Amazing. Yeah. It was, it was kind of awesome actually. Yeah. Um, did you, so, um, Okay, well, I, I had to go to Mormon church, so I understand this because yeah. certainly there was like you wore a dress that couldn't be, you know, mm-hmm. a certain amount, and God, you yeah. would never like wear pants to church. You would never, you know what no. I mean? Like there, you would wear a slip mm-hmm. probably under your, and then yeah. obviously when you get older, but the Mormons wear garments, so right. you can't have anything that would expose your garment because that would mean that you were wearing something. Oh, right. There's like an under thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's pretty, I mean, I don't know what they look like now, but back in, in the days when I was seeing adults who wore them, um, namely my grandparents, I guess I wouldn't have really been like peeping into any other Mormons homes, but (laughs) they're very, very modest. I mean, they're just, you know, you couldn't, I feel like you couldn't wear 
I mean, I feel like they're like, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, you don't not even a tank, like and... barely, you know what I mean? So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't, it doesn't sound like it was quite that, but you know, you definitely were wearing long skirts and, you know, stuff like that. And then, but that doesn't mean there wasn't romance. I mean, there's a lot of dating going on. Because yeah. you also had, so I was in sort of a, what was called a region. The country was broken into regions, which were generally like states or sections of states. And each uh, town had its own chapter. So like there was my home chapter and another home. And you'd go away and you'd like celebrate the Sabbath. And, you know, you'd go to synagogue all day. And like, but there would be like lunches and crazy speeches. And, you know, then at night they'd have all kinds of crazy activities. And there was a lot of singing. There was a lot of... Um, um, there was a ton of like cheering for, I mean, like spirit chapter, each chapter had its own. I, I will say, um, our chapter song was a, a variation of Bon Jovi's living on a prayer. <laughs> of course it was. Oh, halfway there. Yeah. I mean, amazing. Yeah. So, you know, it was, there was definitely an appreciation for pop culture. Like yeah. for some reason, like in the chunk of people that I hang out with, like everybody loved Letterman, like but it was also, again, like according to sort of very religious Jewish law. So women were not allowed to sing in public. Okay. And my big reason, like when I was choosing to go into high school, the reason <clears throat> I didn't go, one of the main reasons I didn't go to uh, yeshiva, which is the Jewish equivalent of Catholic school, is because I knew I wanted to perform. Yeah. And I knew I couldn't perform if I went that way. Interesting. So that is a, that would be impossible for me because I love that. And that's one of the things I love about the Mormons, honestly, is that they're very song oriented. There's just yeah. so much singing all the oh, time, yeah. and it's tons great. Of singing, yeah, yeah. So, so uh, and so, uh, the when if you're Orthodox um, for a woman, uh, is that when you would wear a wig? Yeah. If you when you became yes. older, yeah. I have a very funny memory of being about. I must have been second or third grade, and at that point, you know, I was going to Hebrew school like twice a week, and there were all of these very religious Jewish teachers, and most of the people I went to temple with growing up weren't like super, super orthodox. They were like, you know, conservative. I mean, they they celebrated all the holidays, but they weren't keeping the Sabbath with like the lights off and stuff, and my family didn't do that either. Like, yeah. you were home on Friday nights, you went to temple, but like Saturday, you were doing whatever you're doing. Yeah. Um, I just banged my ring. It's really um, okay. <laughs> um, a little sound effect. Ah. Um, so, but in like second and third grade, the Hebrew school teachers would, you would go to their house for a weekend to experience like, you know, full on religious Shabbat. And we went to, I went with this, I remember it was my friend Robin Darish, who I'm still actually friends with, and two other girls. And we went to Mrs. Yankelowitz's house. Amazing. And, you know, they like set up the couch and you have a sleepover and it's fun. You're sleeping. Oh, absolutely. But, you know, she had gone to sleep and somebody wandered into the bathroom like while we were still up and they were sleeping. And there on the Uh counter was the wig (laughs) on the styrofoam thing. And we all just went, oh, my God, Mrs. Yankelowitz is bald. (laughs) Oh, so you didn't even at that point know or make the connection. No. Oh, we was, had no idea. That's so funny. So that's well, that's we, one of those really specific things that um, certainly I'm sure gets made fun mm-hmm. of in the same way that people say like Mormons wear funny undies, all yeah. that kind of thing. Um, but to me, that is one of those fascinating elements because it is that was just the puzzle that I tried to solve in my mind when I found out about that particular part of yeah. um, of of that particular form of observing Judaism, which was. I sort of understood wearing a burqa more than I understood. Same. Do you know what I'm that's saying? So, it was like, I was okay, just so you know, say yeah, that. that's you have the cloth covering, mm-hmm. but yeah. why 
get oh, and then the other thing i remember thinking was like why wouldn't you just get like some rad wigs or you have like yeah. eight wigs one of them's pink one of them's but like i didn't i wasn't putting it yeah. together you know because i was well, like but why just right. get a wig yeah. that looks just like your regular hair that just seemed like the most absurd thing to me mm-hmm. in the sense in the way that every every religion has some uh, you know observance that someone from the outside would be like i what? can't wrap my head around that yeah exactly um, but yeah, it's funny here because I actually had a hairstylist here at one point who like her, like a big part of her business was styling wigs for sure. a lot of the religious people in Los Angeles because there are many religious Jews here. And so it was yeah. always interesting talking to her about that. Do you, what, and so what, what is the, does anyone, I guess what I'm asking is, and if it's totally okay, if you don't know, but is that the kind of thing where anyone internally rebels from that and says, I totally appreciate and observe 99.9% of this particular, you know, of, mm-hmm. of, of, of what we have deemed the most elemental and important right. in a way that a secular Jew wouldn't, or, you know, a, mm-hmm. a, a sort of reformed Jew wouldn't. Um, but I will not wear a, a hairpiece that to me, when I wake up in the morning, I look like that. And then I put something over my hair and then I put that wig on. You know, I think, I mean, I can't really speak on behalf of anybody cause that's, I've never done that but um i mean i've worn wigs for many other reasons that's what's funny right yeah, sort of, um, yeah. but that said um i think you know kind of as with any religion like people go all across the scale with what they do and mm-hmm. don't do and and all of that like i mean like kosher stuff which is you know like kind of kosher is for those listening who may not is kind of like governs what you can eat and not eat it's jewish dietary laws and you know you always hear about like people don't eat bacon and stuff like that yeah. and um everybody some people pull directly from supposedly what the laws are some people are like well these aren't really laws they're stories so they don't mean anything sure you know i mean my we got married by um my husband's uncle who was a reform rabbi and the first time i met him was on shabbat afternoon at his house and he made me a cheeseburger okay um, and i <laughs> yeah. don't eat meat and cheese together because i just grew up not eating that because my right. parents house was kosher so like everyone's got their own yeah. Thing. Well, that's, I think that's what, um, I, uh, now I feel like I have an all religious podcast, but, uh, but that's Aww. what, uh, <laughs> welcome to the Sunday hour. This is wonderful. I need you 24 <laughs> seven. Um, no, I guess it's just, um, <clears throat> like for example, uh, like if you were, if you were a Hasidic Jew, mm-hmm. it, it would that be more of a community where, um, you kind of need to do all or nothing? Versus an Orthodox Jewish community where I guess I'm wondering yeah. because I know any community, any tight community, I'm not even speaking of religion, but once yeah. you have ascribed to a certain community that has a certain set of fairly rigid values, um, conceptually or literally, yeah. uh, where does it come into play that like, if you're doing something that everyone else disapproves of when like you know what are those boundaries because for sure like in, with many of my jewish friends when you go to temple nobody's kind of looking over your shoulder to be like now are you doing this or are right. you doing that but then it, once you i think once you get more and more into specific communities mm-hmm. i would imagine that you know yeah. it would be a big deal if you lived on the you were hasidic and you went to the same temple and you live on the same street as this other family and you looked over and the other family was like driving their car around playing loud music drinking yeah. a beer in the car you know right. what i mean as you drive down the street so yeah. i'm interested in sort of where 
and I don't expect you to know, this is mostly just me saying, I'm interested <laughs> in where those lines kind of get blurred versus where right. they're more rigid. And I don't know the answer to that. I don't know. I mean, I think it's true of, I think of, it's true of small groups, like, well, not small groups, but specific groups, like we're talking about, whether it's, you know, a, a fellowship group that's like, you know, a, a church group or whether it's Hasidic Jews or, you know, anything that has sort of ascribes to a particular code. Um, I mean, and I hate to say it, you see the same thing with cliques in junior high. Like right. you must, I mean, think about Heather's. Sure. Like, oh, sure. You must ascribe to looking this way, being this way, yeah. acting this way towards other people, having the same judgments. Yeah. And I feel like it's human nature that there's always going to be the people who are more tolerant for people who want to color outside the lines and the people who go, yeah, if you're if you're not sticking with that, then you're not in because we need to keep those rules to keep the group intact. Yeah. And it's so interesting. That's a great <clears throat> example because it comes from it comes from a, potentially such a totally different emotional place and foundation. Mm-hmm. Um because I don't want to I mean, I'm not I would feel like a real asshole if I was like all religion comes from fear. Some days I feel <laughs> that way, most days I don't. Right. But um I feel that way some days too. And yeah. I will say like the, and I basically kind of stopped with the youth group stuff in like 10th grade ish or so. Cause that was kind of when I figured out I'd rather be in a theater on Saturday morning sure. than in synagogue on Saturday morning. Yeah. Um, but I will say that like, I did have that experience, a very core formula, form, formative, formative. That's what I'm looking for. Experience um, in childhood of having a very joyous religious experience. Sure. And like, I kind of, I hate mm. to say it, I can kind of even understand like how a cult can suck someone in. Not that Absolutely. my, not that my youth group was culty. Yeah. But I get that because it, like, you, you experience such a huge. Uh, a huge adrenaline rush mm-hmm. and this feeling of belonging mm-hmm. and this feeling of finding your people and you know Absolutely. community and that like who doesn't want that absolutely just we all find it in different places and then sometimes you realize oh no I, I like pieces of this community but it's too restrictive yeah. so you decide to try other things and sometimes they're like great go do your thing come back and sometimes like yeah you're doing that then you can't be here yeah and you, and you have, have to make, to make those choice. yeah absolutely god that's yeah no I completely agree and I feel it's just hard. And it's especially hard when you have a religion that is has real cultural ties to very specific things that happened in the past. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's where I think it gets really hard to... Because I, it's very easy for me to be like, I believe in multiracial relationships. Mm-hmm. I believe in multicultural relationships because I don't have... I mean, as a, as a, but, but I don't know the, the sort of Mormon background, um, for someone who would say I'm a lapsed Mormon, which I don't think is a correct assessment because I don't, I was never, I was never, uh, Mormon the way you were Jewish. Do you know what I mean? And the way you are Jewish, but, um, you were not involved. I was not, I wasn't. And I was sort of cursory involved in in whatever way I had to be which isn't to say that I didn't get something out of it um but I guess I just think I'm I don't know I always come back to and that's why I asked you about the wigs um uh, is I'm I'm always so interested in that and I've talked about it before but being in a place where you feel so strongly about something that you're getting something Mm -hmm. out of and you feel so invested in that community that you say I'm going to stay right where I am and I'm going to change your mind about what's okay. See that and that is you had been the person where... that was like, guess what everyone, I fully agree in everything except I think women should be able to allow to sing in public and that's going to be my thing I, you know, hold on right. to and hang on tight and I'm not going anywhere. 
And I'm just going to tenaciously hold on to this in hopes that mm-hmm. this this very specific piece will be reformed. Yeah. And it's funny that you use the word reform because, I mean, that's why you have sort of all of these different... Um, I don't know if sect is the right word. I don't think it is. Um, But these different, you know, groups of of organized Jewry that, you know, you have reform, you have orthodox, you have traditional, you have reconstructionist, but they all ascribe to different things because at some point enough of a group of people went, you know what? We love the core of this, but we think it should be practiced in a different way. I mean, I do belong to a synagogue now and, you know, it's, it's a very inclusive place. I mean, the rabbi is female. Actually, all of the rabbis are female. That's Um, awesome. Yeah. It's great. I mean, and I love like I love that my daughter. I have a five year old, so I love that my daughter sees that. Like, yeah. there will never be a question in her mind about can I do this or do I belong here or where is my place? Do I have any kind of limit on the way I can participate in yeah. this community? Yeah, at least not from like the perspective of being a leader in it if she wants to be. Whereas yeah. I did have those limits in the kind of more paternalistic environment that I yeah. grew up in. So, oh, and yeah, and sorry, and I realize I was also saying that like do, when you when you look at something like a, the Jewish history, it becomes very different difficult for me who has a sort of like you know classic mutt background of you know (laughs) other than this mormon that was sort of imposed on me um which is a very new religion and which mormons i like love the jews because they see a a strong parallel for themselves like well we had this religion that no one agreed with and we were ostracized from Mm -hmm. it and we were killed for it and we moved to a different place and we found a holy land and we looked to the jews as an example of like what do you do when this happens right um which i'm sure many jewish people are like no thanks mormons (laughs) like we don't (laughs) see that parallel at all but to make arguments and it's the same thing where you know, again, like as a as a as a uh, as a gentile, as a someone say shiksa uh, on yes. a good day uh, in high school, dating Jewish boys and feeling like their parents already were like, I don't you, no, I don't expect my son to marry you, but I don't like what this portends. Like, I don't yeah. like that I'm, you know, I'm going to be a little frosty to you because I'm concerned that this will be a pattern of things to come, oh, and I yeah. don't, and I want my my Jewish son to marry a, a, a Jew. Um, even when I was in high school, I got it. I was like, God, I get it because this is there's so much cultural stuff mm-hmm. going on here above and beyond yeah, what college, happens on you know Friday night. Yeah, in college, my parents just. Um, they thought for, well, actually, for a while, they really thought I was a lesbian because they didn't hear me talking about dating at all because I was dating, but they were all Irish Catholic. Oh, okay. I had there a you thing go. for Irish boys. And yeah. that was just not going to fly with them. And now that I wasn't living at home under it, then they didn't need to know. I don't ask, don't tell. Now, what was the, were they thinking you're a lesbian and they're okay with that? And it would almost have been worse if you had been dating Irish it's, Catholic boys? Okay. It's, but that's funny that you bring that up because I used to think about like, okay, if I, let's say I did fall in love with somebody who wasn't Jewish and, you know, decided like, this is the person I want to be with. Um, you know, like I always kind of wondered, my plan was to like write a long letter to my parents about, you know, I just want to let you like, a, and I feel, okay, this is just all going to come out completely politically incorrect, but stories from your youth. So sure. I, I was going to like write a letter about, well, mom, I just want to let you know, you know, I, I'm a lesbian and this, that, and the other and blah, 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 blah. And I will say this, my parents are much, much more open now. They have come a long way and fully embrace like a lot of, a lot of different types of lifestyles, which yeah. makes me very happy. Um, 
But that said, at the time, they were much, much more conservative. And, you know, and then at the end of the letter, I was going to write, well, actually, none of the above is true. Oh. However, <laughs> I am in love with John O'Shea. Sure, and sure. Da, 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 da. Or I was thinking if it was the opposite, I could do the opposite and talk right. about how I had, you know, fallen in love with Hassan so-and-so. Right. And then at the end, I would come out. Uh-huh. And I have to be honest. I really think they probably would have been much more comfortable with me being a lesbian. As long as than, you were as long as she a beautiful was Jewish. Jewish girl. Yep. And I mean beautiful on the inside. Yes, uh, a nice Shana Madel. Yeah, that is so funny. I've had a similar, I had a similar sense about that with my mom. Um, really? Yeah, which was, well, I've Who told the story before. Who did she not want you to? I'll tell the story before, but I, my test with her was, for being Mormon, she was, um, she was very liberal. I mean, she was, she's a very liberal Democrat, you know, mm-hmm. Um, uh, for her, I think it was so much about the community and the hope, like, I don't want to say it's fear based because that feels disrespectful, but, um, but I think that hope of something Mm -hmm. after we die, you know, um, and it's a, it's, it's, it's expressed in a very poetic and beautiful way. Like many things are, uh, the Mormon religion and there's not a lot of punishment. So it isn't like, Oh, you're afraid because you're going to burn in hell. It's really not that it's like, here are all these positive incentives, you know, (laughs) um, to just keep becoming a better person. Right. Uh, it's a little bit like if you do this, you get into this. If you do this, it's a little bit of sort of like like a a sales force. (laughs) Oh my God. Oh, God help me. Uh, also, I'm on the um, the women's group part of the Mormon church. It's called the Relief Society. And uh, and the, somehow the Los Angeles Relief Society has found my they email. Found and I am you. on their list. Sometimes they don't BCC. They just CC. Oh. And it's really, I like, I'm dreading writing that note that says, by the way, I don't know how you found me, but like, I think if you listen to my podcast, you would excommunicate me. So <laughs> maybe take me off this list. I, but I also, it's like, what harm is it doing? You know, right. this is a real, it's, yeah. it's a, it's a little bit of a, it's tough, but, um, uh, now I just lost my train of thought. Uh, uh, your mom. Oh yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so she, so yeah, when I was younger and she had been married before my dad and one of the mm. things that she had sort of, um, decided that was, was that because she wasn't married in a Mormon church, that first marriage, that was one of the reasons that it didn't work out. And so ah, that's why my dad ended up, my dad, the atheist, atheist, con- uh, decided to become a Mormon Wow, converted for my mom, which everyone knows who listens to the podcast uh, on a regular basis did not work out. Yes. Um, but she, but she was Hispanic. Mm-hmm. And so and she was very proud of that in the sense that she was like, you know, yeah. let me just make it totally clear if you, because her parents were more conservative okay. and I think they were sort of like, okay, <laughs> um, which is just like, what I'm excited about is one more generation from now, I think people will think that is the most funny thing they've ever heard. Oh, yeah. Like, wait, what? what they thought it, like they couldn't handle that he was Hispanic because right. so charming and so sad at the same time just to be so backward. You know what I mean? Mm, like, yeah. So, but anyway, so she made this whole point of saying to me, I think when I was 13, it was sort of her version of the talk, I mm-hmm. guess, which was, you know, I just want you to know I will be totally supportive of no matter who it is. I don't care if he's black, white, Asian, Native American. I don't care if he's Jewish. I don't care if he's Buddhist. You know, she was like, I will totally embrace that. And me being the person I was, was like, what if it's a woman? Like I couldn't just accept (laughs) her being lovely about something. And she just, it's totally stopped her in her tracks. She Mm -hmm. sort of stammered. And she was like, well, I mean, I would, I would get used to it. You know, she just, and she 
you know, course corrected and she was actually great about it. But, um, but same kind of thing where you're like, what can, what will be the thing that sort of tips it back in the opposite direction or what will I, what can I say that will be so extreme that when I back, back off of that and say something else that my parents will be okay. But, and bless their hearts. I mean, you're just, you come from, that's why I try to be more open about people who don't feel the same way too. It's like, you just don't know where someone comes from and what their experiences have been. And if you come at it from a place of anger, mm-hmm. I mean, there's appropriate times for anger, but that's a hard but question too. Not, it's yeah. sort of hard to know. Like, when is it, when do you, when do you take to the streets and march? When do you take to the streets and march and almost get in a fight with someone? Well, is that ever Trump, okay? Then you, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Trump, then you. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really, but you know, some people feel... I understand when when people are like, whatever, guys. But I do understand yeah. when people say that liberals never get anything done because they're constantly trying to talk and understand each other and, <laughs> and people who don't feel the way they do. But it's something I get sucked into all the time, which sure. is it's really hard for me. And I will refer to the Janine episode as well because she has zero patience for that now. She's just like, I don't care. I know mm-hmm. I'm right. And I know that I'm on the side of right. And I know that people, just, you know, everyone should have equal opportunities and everyone should be treated equally. And I don't, I'm not interested in somebody who says that they're a fiscal Republican, but they're voting for somebody who's against gay marriage, da, da, da. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have this broken part of me that's still like, but maybe we can just talk it out because if his parents were this and that and that's right. all he ever knew, then you can't expect someone to just drop all of their morals for this higher ethical purpose that they have no familiarity with unless we pull mm-hmm. them in and make them feel safe about it and make them understand that they're not at risk of anything just because they, you know, can are going to be surrounded by married happy office? people. Can you please <laughs> run for office? I would be the worst. Please? I would be the worst. When I saw the Reagan documentary, I was like, oh, no, I'm just like him. He constantly <laughs> changed his opinion depending on who the strongest voice was in the room. Oh, That's no. what I would be. I would be like, I guess abortion shouldn't be legal. Thank you. You're no, very convincing. No, I have a hard time thinking oh, you'd ever swing God. that way. That's but, my biggest fear. Yeah. No, I mean, my general philosophy is like there are things that I have absolute beliefs in. But in general, I, I sort of subscribe to the idea that believe whatever you want. Just don't impose it on somebody else. Yeah. And if our beliefs are too much at odds with each other, then we're not going to hang out with each other and that's just fine. But like, don't impose what you think on me. Yeah. So that's good. I mean, I think that's what America is supposed to be. So hopefully we'll just continue to move in that direction opposed to the opposite. I want to get into this mash game. Uh I'm excited. Uh, First one is, well, let's do this because it seems like a very obvious go to um, for you, which is that uh, we have these multiverses now Mm -hmm. in this mash game and you have, uh, there's just more time. You can be the person you are in this multiverse, but two other Tamaras are doing something separate where they have a more distinct career. Um, <laughs> that, you know, and I feel this about myself. Like, right. you don't have to give anything up in this world because you figured out how to do that. Is on its own. But what would be fun for you to do in these two other multiverses where you oh, sort of have my, these, yeah, you sort of have these other professions world. that you do, or three, rather, I should say. Three. So, three other things that you can do that, um, and they can still be multifaceted, but, you know, what's astronaut, a thing you can lean into? Perfect. Astronaut. Um, let's see what else. Uh, Oh, figure skater. Great. Which I, I'm so klutzy that, yeah, that definitely would need would a multiverse so to make that good. happen. And all yeah. the physics that go with it. I mean, that's it. basically like flying on the ground is what exactly. it seems like to me. Yeah. Um, all right. So astronaut figure skater. And, um, I would go with, um, I feel like I wanted to be something outdoors. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So maybe like, uh, 
park ranger. Love it. Love it. Okay, great. Um, next category will be three people from history that you probably, for one reason or another, will not get the chance to meet in this life. Um, that in this mash game, uh, three people that are sort of mentors to you. So you can call them. They adore you. It's not a chore. Right. They can't wait to hear what's going on with you. And then they can give you the best advice. Okay. Uh, let's go with Rosalind Franklin. Uh, she is an amazing scientist who really is or was responsible for uh, part of the discovery for the structure of DNA. And she died at 38 and she wow, should wow. have been part of the group that got the Nobel, but she was passed away at the time. And there's sort of all of this crazy history where she wasn't credited because of the male scientists mm. who sort of took over. And the great thing is, is mm. that now she her story has come to light and great. she's always talked about. So great, great, great. I'm kind of in love with her. Um, I understand. I understand. Because that's my science, he said. Um, do these so these have to be people from history or uh, it can alive be someone, or it can be or? it can be current it can be I think it's just kind of like what you know what it's it's your they're your mentors I'm I say mentors. go with whoever you know I'm I'm gonna put Hillary down great yeah I'm going with Hillary um, okay so Rosalind Hillary I like this because in this multiverse she actually has time to be your mentor rather right. than just having to like deal with the shit she has to deal with now <laughs> uh, and um, let's go with. Uh, Let's go. Oh, you know what? Um, Ibsen. Great. He's one of my favorite playwrights, and great, great, I really great. like what he had to say. So Great. Love it. Great choices. Like, that's a surprise. Um, okay. Three. Okay. Uh-oh. This, is, a, that, like, this is just for you. It's the glint of how the fuck am I even going to say what I'm trying to say, or is this even fully formed yet? Um, but let's do three things that in this multiverse you are able to discover. So it's three future things. It could be as just exciting and strange as like you discover a heretofore unknown underground city or underwater city or something, but it could also be, you know, I mean, listen, if you want to go cure for cancer, I'm all for it, but it could just be, yeah. So any, any three things that um, are either couldn't be discovered because they aren't real or (laughs) they are actual scientific at, you know, or, or, or geographical or something, some sort of thing that's like, okay. So, um, all right, let's go with, uh, the first sort of official alien contact, confirmed alien contact that somehow miraculously we can understand and they're friendly. Yeah. Um, let's go with that. Love it. Um, I would, I would like to, um, discover, the portal to um, to Avalon. Great, because <laughs> I was a King Arthur nerd. Amazing. Um, and I would like to discover. Um, mm, I would like to discover. Oh, how to transport? Great. Like, yeah. Get rid of all that traffic. Make the world a greener place. Snap your fingers, and you're there. All right, a little teleportation never hurt anybody, yeah. we think, except for it really hurt uh, the fly. <laughs> <laughs> the scientist in the fly and the fly itself. Yeah. Um, okay, next category, uh, three foods or drinks that are um, uh, not bad for you and um, that you can have at the snap of your finger. 
this I'm going to, for you, be more specific. So sometimes I'll just be like, just say, you know, you can say I'll have pizza forever. Right. But this, I want this to be three things that you can't just have on a regular basis because they are very specific, like this slice of pizza at this place that we can sort of teleport to you. Oh. And that um, is not, you know, think about the connection between teleportation and meals. Yeah. Well. Yeah. You're, you're <laughs> smart, Barney. Although you, you may not get it. teleportation, but you will still get one of these meals, whether or not, or this food whether or not you end up with teleportation in general. All right. A plate of um, cacio e pepe from Rome, which is this insane pasta. It's usually made with tonnarelli, which is um, basically it's like square spaghetti. And it's like pecorino cheese and pepper. And it's the simplest Mm. thing in the world. This might be the first time I smacked my lips on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, square spaghetti? Yeah. It's like picture instead of it being like a little circle on the end, it's square. Okay. And it holds right. the pasta in a particular way, or the stuff you put yeah. on it in a particular way. How have, how have I not had, I mean, that's why something that's never here, made it here. It's hardly made here for some reason, but you can find it. And sometimes it's called, I believe it's sometimes called Chitara, C-H-I-T-T-A-R-A, not to be confused never with the Chitara from Marvel, um, yeah. <laughs> which I God, spend I a lot of time of talking about. So Yeah, I bet you uh, have. Yeah. Um, okay, Cacio e Pepe. Cacio e Pepe. Um, all right, two more things. Um... Oh, the um, potato schmaltz in my friend Brian's restaurant in Evanston, which are these potatoes that are made maybe with duck fat. I don't know. Mm-hmm, like, because mm-hmm. part Some of this is that like I can eat as much of these That's as right. I want. Exactly. Without. Right. Yeah. So that, and then um, the last one would be uh, the Carvel ice cream of my youth. Oh, wonderful! God, I knew you were going to pick soft them. vanilla Winners. with rainbow sprinkles. Soft vanilla with rainbow sprinkles. Yeah. I remember somehow, somehow this wasn't, a th- I don't know why this like wasn't a thing in Arizona because it's a very hot state in the yeah. summer. But when I went to visit my friend Meredith in Pittsfield, Massachusetts, when I was in like fifth grade, I think it was like one of the first times I flew by myself. It was a huge deal. So already it was like a yeah. huge adventure. Um, where she lived in Pittsfield, there was um, just like an ice cream truck that was soft serve with mm. sprinkles and like the hard shell stuff that you could get. Yep. And that remains one of those like mecca moments where I remember like, wait, we we can just walk <laughs> to this every day if we want to and no one will say anything and these well, like giant soft serves mm-hmm. like that's a thing if i figure out how to teleport back to get it i will bring you with me i appreciate that because it's uh it's been it was a real life changer yeah um it was actually harkened back very much when i was on the joko cruise because they had a soft serve just like and all the fruit food is covered uh, when you pay you know the fee for right, the cruise right. which st- constantly seems like this can't be right um but they yeah there's like a in the on the pool level there's a soft serve that's just like whenever you want go over there's an endless supply of cones and get an ice cream and i thought if i could do that i would be i would gain 55 pounds Mm -hmm. in the course of of five days um uh great choices okay next one is three books that you can jump into uh and their worlds are real and you can engage with the characters. Nothing bad's going to happen to you. And it's not like you're a character in it. You're just, it's just a real world that you can enjoy. Right. That's, oh, it's funny you ask it. So my daughter, so I spent a lot of time in the car with my five-year-old, um, as one might imagine. I'm driving. She's not. And, um, <laughs> but, you know, yet. she's not at the point where she's reading on her own yet. So we, we listen to a lot of audiobooks, And mm-hmm. we listen to this awesome series called The Magic Treehouse. Oh, okay. Which is all about a brother and a sister and the 
they have this magic treehouse and it's actually a library or part of a oh. library that is kept by Morgan Le Fay from Camelot. Oh my God. And they what have to go story. find through history and find books to bring back to her library. Oh, yeah. That's it's pretty awesome. Fabulous. It's God, I great. would have just loved that. Yeah. So magic treehouse. Magic Real. treehouse. Okay. Perfect choice. So yeah, it reminds me of this a little bit. So, um, oh no, I didn't mean that was oh, one sorry, of the, sorry, sorry, no, sorry. that's okay. It just reminded me. I got so excited. That, now I want that jumping real. into all the different yeah yeah worlds. yeah although i guess if i jumped into there and their whole thing is they jump into lots of other i know worlds. you just gave yourself like you wish for more wishes it's like your mirror thing I, it really is yeah um all right so uh oh well i was a little house on the prairie nut okay great. so we're going with we're going with half pint um, i went ahead and wrote little house with an apostrophe <laughs> because that's what fits so super cute okay so a little house on the prairie um i I'm trying to think of like a good World War II book to like jump in and be a spy in. But that's less of a book and just more of a time period. Uh-huh. So I'll come back to that. Okay. Um, I would say, uh, gosh, I'm totally stumped right now. I can't think of books and I read all the time. Um, no, for me, I constantly go back to kid books because those are the ones I read a thousand yeah. times. So they're yeah. just sitting in the library of my brain. Oh, um, uh, there's a series by Kim Stanley Robinson called uh, Red Mars, Blue Mars, Green Mars, which okay. is all about colonizing Mars. Oh, great. So I would go into that. And, and by the way, if you want to do like a King Arthur based thing, I mean, that seems like that I, would also be enough. I do. I feel like I've infused this with a lot of King Arthur already. So what if you don't get the other King Arthur stuff? Oh, I'm just saying. All right. We'll put Miss of Avalon down there. Uh, it's not my category. No, I do don't it. Wanna, okay. Do it. Do it. I just think it increases your chances of at least getting one. I think and what's it would the be worst thing? You one. get all of them? Right, exactly. Uh, okay, great. Now. Then I'm um, one of those people who just does one thing. <laughs> and that would be a very <laughs> different multiverse. Only Camelot all day, all night. Right. Listen, time travel. Like, let's get into it. I know you want to be a World War II spy. Yes. So I'm going to go ahead and add spy, that right away. Please do. Perfect. Um, I think it would kind of be amazing. I mean, going back to like the religious thing, I mm-hmm. think it would kind of have been amazing to be around in like, you know, I don't know, like 50 AD and really like, sure. no, actually, no, I take okay. that back. Right. Ancient Greece. All right. Ancient Put me Greece. down in ancient Greece. Great, great, I'd rather great, great, go there. Great. So ancient Greece and um, wait, what do I have so far? Ancient uh, Greece, World War II spy, ancient Greece, ancient Greece, and um, oh, let's see, what else would be fun to time? I mean, we've got a lot of future stuff on there, so I'm not going to jump into the future. Okay, fair. Um, but actually, it would be oh, 1950s. There's that part of me Great. that is a musical theater nut and watched far too much Greece when mm-hmm, I was mm-hmm. growing up. So yeah. They're all, once you really get into it, there's just so much, everything that feels, that's the, that's the, feels like it's such the great part of being in the time that we are in. And also the kind of sad part, which is that sense of everything feels like it's part of fiction. And Mm -hmm. so I feel like getting that jolt of, I actually saw what the fifties were like and were they like what people say they are like to really experience it in your own body with your own mind. Mm -hmm. And same with something like ancient Greece, same like something with world war two, same like, like to have answers on like what the time of Jesus Christ really was, who Mm -hmm. was this dude, you know, how much of this is real, how much of this is fable and all that kind of stuff would just be so fascinating. But yeah, particularly with something like the fifties where you feel like, at what point would you push past feeling like you were in a movie? Right, exactly. You know, whereas in a different time, no one, you know, I doubt very seriously that that books were so vivid that mm-hmm. someone in 
the 19, like in 1910, if they went back to a time that they'd be like, I feel like I'm in a book. I feel like they'd just be like, I don't, this is what I've heard about, but right. you, would, you wouldn't have to push past sort of, yeah. I've had this made real for me on such a uh, detailed yeah. level, just visually. Mm-hmm. That you feel like you know what it would be yeah. like. So to actually get there and experience it. I did this crazy thing with my dad where for a year, like, so my dad is really good handwriting Um, (laughs) I don't know where this is going but I'm in he's got really good handwriting and when I was away at camp when I was a kid we'd write letters all summer and then like we stopped because you know email took over and stuff and in some ways it's great because you know we can communicate every day and it's easy but um but I realized like I don't have letters from him anymore. Mm. So, and I kind of love them. So yeah. I did this thing where I wrote out, I got awesome stationery because I'm kind of a paper whore. Uh-huh. And I wrote, <laughs> I can go into paper stores and just feel it's, yeah. um, anyway, we'll get into that. Now. <laughs> um, I know what your thrill is. Yes. Raquel Welch for your dad. Mm. And so I, I got great stationery that was blank. And on the top of each one, I wrote out a question for him. And then I took them and I pre-addressed them and pre-stamped oh, them and sent them great. to him. And he wrote me a letter a year. Oh. And so, like, I would say a third of them were kind of about, like, personal things. Like, what are your top five favorite movies? What's your favorite book? Yeah. Stuff like that. Um, I think everyone should do this. A third of them were family-oriented. So, like, you know, tell me a story about grandma. Or, like, how does, you know, how do I remind you of my mom? Or something like that. And then a third of them, though, were all about time. And, like, where were you during the moon landing? And what was it like? My dad grew up in the Bronx. What was it like growing up in the Bronx during this time period? And what do you remember about, like, the biggest changes? What do you remember about getting your first television set? And stuff like that. And how long ago did you do this? I probably did this with him about 10 years ago. Okay. So you've yeah. gotten 10 letters. Oh, no. He wrote me 50 letters. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you said a letter a year. No, a letter a, oh, a, letter a, letter a week for, Okay, for a gotcha, 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 yeah. gotcha. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. That's it's, so cool. Oh, my really God. Neat. Guys, we got to get on this. Even if it's just a smaller version, just start small and do... Send have send three pre written yeah. questions and with stamped envelopes. Yeah, I think that for some reason the pre stamping seems to be key. Yeah, you're not asking it's them to ready do any to work. Go. Like write it, pop it in, send yeah. it. Yeah, this is great. I need to remember this. I gotta write it Take down someplace it. separate. I'm gonna Adopt write it down it. right where I say Gabe slash Edda murder <laughs> letters letter project. Will I remember what that is? Yes, you will. Okay, uh, next category. All due respect. Uh-oh. I know I almost died for a second. What? To your wonderful husband. Yeah. Whom I adore. Shout yes. out to Matt Price. Woohoo, Matt Price. Uh, Which is how we know each other. So That's exactly right. Um, so far be it for me to disrespect that relationship that uh, has caused us to be in each other's lives. But in the multiverse... In the multiverse, you have uh, three other... Could be sexy times. Could be uh, long-term alternate universe partner husband um wife you can go wherever you want with this three um uh at your leisure go oh boy okay um savian glover Alrighty. because i love tap dancing amazing um and matt price has actually bought me tickets to go see savian glover and as a wonderful husband because he sat there while i've yeah. Uh-huh. Well, <laughs> he's lovely gift. <laughs> um, let's see who else. Well, if I can go in any direction, I'm I have a big old talent crush on Kate Blanchett, so oh, put her on the list. Help me, so do I. Yeah. Oh, um, Lord. I mean, who wouldn't want that? Um, oh, and then gosh, one more. One more. Like we <laughs> we talk about this. Like Matt and I talk about this sometimes that mm. it's weird to do this when you work in entertainment. I know. Because it's so hard. So what if I pick can... someone that I end up interviewing and yeah, or, yeah sure. exactly. Like the first time I went to go 
the first time I went to go do something for Marvel, it was on a Wolverine movie, uh-huh. and um, Taylor Kitsch was in it, uh-huh. who was from Friday Night Lights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Matt was like, really? I'm sending you away to Arizona to interview him? Yeah. And I was like, I mean, I'm coming back. <laughs> Why isn't it Serene McKellen? That's um, really great. You know what? Along those lines, let's, let's put down Sir Ian McKellen. Wonderful. I'm good with that. Because, you know, in the multiverse, okay. anything can happen. That's like, absolutely he, right. In the multiverse, he could actually be attracted to me. That's absolutely right. Wouldn't, so What a wonderful man. Uh, okay, great. And then final category. God, I could really do like eight more categories with you. What is my final one with you going to be? This Uh-oh. is so tough. <sighs> um, all right, let's do um, musicals. Uh, okay. Three that you um, uh, know it doesn't have to be age appropriate, doesn't have to be a gender appropriate role. Three musicals that you have or will do on Broadway, um, and then the role that would be really fun to be in. Oh, if you can think of this of is so like, you could say Danny from Greece, you could say Sandy, you could say this, you could say. Oh man, this is like wish fulfillment. Um, okay, I mean, this conversation going on for like another hour, but uh-huh. right off the top of my head. Um, let's go with, um, uh, Maria from West Side Story. Great. One of the most perfect musicals ever made. Yeah. Um, let's go with, um, uh, uh, Nellie Forbush from South Pacific. Great. Because that was the role I wanted in high school that I didn't get. Great. And, um, oh, Let's go. We're going to continue on the old school track and, you know, let's just let's just go with Eponine from Les Mis. Great. Because who, who doesn't want to sing that? And I was always like, I never quite like it's it's Eponine. It's not Cassette, yeah. whatever. I know she yeah. ends up with the boy, but Eponine's the role. Come on. I agree. I agree. Okay. Okay. Wonderful. Uh, yeah, you can do it right here on the show. Mm, I don't think. Uh, <laughs> okay. Tell oh, no, me. Wait. I'm oh, sorry. We ha- I have to make one adjustment. Yes. We've Annie has to be on there. Oh, good one. So you can. Who's on there right now? We'll take Maria, Nelly, and Ebony. Oh, let's take. Um, let's take Nelly off. Okay. Yeah. And go straight up, Annie. Yeah, go straight up, Annie. Okay. You know, I'm a curl. I was a curly redheaded child, yeah. and my name is Tamara. Yeah, I mean, grow up. <laughs> I have had uh, the song sung to me many a time. I really get it. I yeah. really get it. Okay, I really hope I can see what I've done there. Hopefully, <laughs> that, that will still remain. I'm excited uh, to see what my future is. Uh, I am also very excited. I would like you to tell me when to stop. Mm-hmm. Stop. Okay, great. I'm going to pause this. I gotta be honest with you. I'm also going to pee and then, uh, do some math. It's not math. And when I come back, I'll have your 100% guaranteed mash future. This is, uh, I'm going to go ahead and say, I feel like this is a good representation of how all over the place, uh, we are in, in our lives, you and me, because, um, you and I, sorry, dad, uh, (laughs) because, uh, this really is, it's not, you did not just get one, like, oh, you just got the one thing that, you know, we Ah, sort of honed in on. Interesting. But you did get your portal to Avalon. (gasps) I did? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just gonna, I just need to start off with that right away. And because I didn't get a vacation home location, I'm gonna go ahead and say that is where your vacation home is. So that's where you go to get away from it all. I think that's probably maybe the one that's probably one of the few places I could unplug and feel good right? about it. Yeah. And also like that, there you go because not that covers every other part of the sort of Avalon connection, nice. uh, the Camelot connection. Um, but my dear, you will be going all over the place. 
there's just a lot going on here. Uh, in addition to your access to Camelot, you also um, can uh, head over to Mars because you <gasps> can jump right into Red Mars, Blue Mars, Green Mars. Yes! Because in you this multiverse, you are also an astronaut. So that lined up nice. appropriately. So I'm actually so properly to trained. To yeah, you're yeah. competent. It's great. Um, so do I have to be a botanist? That. Can I be? <laughs> I mean, I guess that's where things start. It worked, kind of it worked for apart. Matt Damon. But. Uh, <laughs> um, you... Uh, I don't know what advice is going to give you on these two things we've already talked about, but please know that you do. Oh, and so you have no, your apartment. You have an apartment in Camelot. <laughs> it's an apartment. <laughs> I like to think it's above a bakery. Um, you uh, can call Ibsen. Ah, uh, okay. Tell him about your adventures. He can give you advice. Well, you know, he'd give me a lot of stuff to read. On uh, It's a long sure. trip to Mars. Absolutely. So. And you know what you also need on your long trip to Mars is an endless supply of potato schmaltzes. Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't know if I can take uh, the potato schmaltz to Mars because by the time I get there, I'm going to be so heavy. We're going to need more of fuel true. to keep propelling Maybe the ship. Maybe your fuel is the potato schmaltzes. That uh, actually could work. Amazing. Um, what other good news can I give you? Well, number one, you are Annie. The sun will come out tomorrow. All right. You uh, <laughs> you can travel back to the 1950s. Oh, yeah. It's very exciting. And uh, see, this is what I'm talking about. It's like, you're just all over the place. I'm all over the place. It's all over the place. And you're having all of these adventures via tap dancing. Mr. <laughs> Glover. Oh, Yes. So it's a tap dancing kind of romance. Tap dancing kind of party. All the way to Mars. Good luck tap dancing on Mars. Mm -hmm. That sounds like it's going to be a real workout. That actually sounds like either a book about a midlife crisis. Oh my God, tap dancing on Mars. (laughs) It so is. All right, I'm taking that title. Tap dancing on Mars. Tap dancing on Mars. I'm writing that down. Nice. Uh, Okay, amazing. Um, And I know you have somewhere to be. Also, that's the end of the show. So things worked out just fine on that count. Thank you so uh, much for having me. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for doing it. Please tell people of the many, many things um, that you uh, do and are uh, your presence on the internet, among other places, where people can find you and get involved. Sure. Um, I'm very hard to find. You can find me on Twitter at Tamara Krinsky, T-A-M-A-R-A Krinsky, K-R-I-N-S-K-Y. You can also find me on Instagram at Tamara Krinsky. Perfect. Or on Facebook at facebook.com slash Tamara Krinsky. You got it. But you can also, one other place that does not have my name in the title is um, I'm part of a group called Sirens. Yeah, and we I'm are glad f- that we at least talk about it for one second at yeah, the end. Yeah, we are four actresses who are focused on uh, science, on advocating for a scientific literacy in the general public and creating uh, STEM-infused entertainment, science, technology, Fantastic. engineering, and math. And so you can find us at sirens.com, S-C-I-R-E-N-S.com. It's a, it's a play on screen sirens for science. Fantastic. Because we're we're silly that way, um, yeah. And uh, if you want to know more about the theater company, that's Antius A N T A E U S dot. I think we're org. I hope we're org. You'll find I'm not us. Sure, but yeah, just Google, Google Antius. You'll, you'll be it. fine, guys. Yeah. Um. Awesome. Yeah. And I will talk to you folks next time on the podcast. As always, the JV Club theme song is Back Before We Were Brittle by the amazing Say Hi. Now leaving Nerdist.com.